We are in a series right now called Follow. What does it mean to be a good follower? And are you one? You know, um, we, we talked last week about what someone should do if they follow you in a car. Stay close and run yellow lights, right, with you. Stay together. Don't separate. Just be together. We're looking at the life of Peter, and that's a fun one. <laughs> because he has lots of stuff going on. If you're new to faith, Peter was one of the disciples. He was one of the 12. He was a fisherman by trade. And he's a, he's a yo-yo ride emotionally. He he's just makes random crazy decisions to defend Jesus. And then he says, let me get out of the boat and walk on the water. He does all this stuff. But he's a leader. And Jesus notices this. And we're going to see... Some story in the book of Matthew about Peter. And then we're going to look at a couple of his letters in First and Second Peter. First Peter 5 specifically. And we're going to read some words that he wrote um, as he became a little more mature later on in his life. So what is wisdom? How many of you have it? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, I probably shouldn't raise my hand. That might not be wise. Right? Am I, am I wise? That's kind of like someone asking someone or, or someone telling you, I'm really humble. Yeah. Well, maybe you're not if you're telling us that you are. But being wise, it's kind of tricky because it impacts so many things in, in your life. And so we're going to take a look at what wisdom is, what it isn't. And, and I, I think just putting it up here for us to get a, a nice clean look at it will be helpful. Now, when I, when I think of wisdom, a lot of things go through my mind, but I did look it up in the dictionary, and it says, the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. That's pretty good. For a short definition, it kind of made sense to me, that, and, and I like that. I agree with that. We're actually told in the Bible, in the book of James, to ask for wisdom if you need it. And the Bible says that he will give us wisdom as we need it. I would recommend, I would encourage you to every day, when you start your day, if there's nothing else you do devotionally, just say, Lord, I love you today and I need your wisdom. I need your wisdom. Because we live in a world where we need godly wisdom. Today, we're talking about earthly and heavenly wisdom. And if there's a difference. Listen, you don't have to be a, a, a follower of Jesus to be a wise person. There are many people who have learned lessons in life who are not followers of Jesus. But when you do follow Jesus, you have the potential to have the Spirit of God added to your discernment abilities. And that gives you a tremendous advantage when the Holy Spirit is working, using the wisdom you've learned in life, practically speaking, but also the gift of wisdom, the gift of discernment, those things that the Spirit can make live in our hearts. The Bible says to walk in the spirit so you don't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. What that means is we are to navigate carefully. It's not spooky. It doesn't mean that I'm, I'm, I'm weird about it. It just means that when I walk in life, when I do life, I just need to be aware that the presence of God is everywhere and the presence of the evil one is everywhere. 
And Peter's going to challenge us by telling us Satan is out to devour us. He's roaring like a lion. This is that passage where he says that. So let's pay attention to all that. If you have a program, go to the back. I think I have five main points there to just jot down. The first one is pretty simple. I want to do two things. I want to show you the spirit revelation and then the flesh motivation in points one and two. So number one, look at the example that we have in the life of Peter of a spirit revelation. This is, this is probably the highlight in Peter's life. At least he gets the greatest compliment that he gets from Jesus himself in front of the other disciples. How many of you like it when you're complimented in front of other people? We all do. You know, you get the award at work or you get the employee of the month, so you get the special parking place. That's what's going on in this story, and it's very cool what happens. In Matthew 16, it says in verse 13, if you have a Bible, just flip it open. We're going to look through it. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then Jesus looks at them and he says, but who do you say I am? Now, I don't know if he looked right at Peter when he said this, but he's looking at all of them and he's asking all of them, who do you say? Everyone else has their opinion. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter is first. We don't know if anyone else gets to say anything, but Simon jumps right into this and he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And you guys, I think it was kind of like a little boy who's, who's, who knows the answer. You know what I'm saying? And he, he's like, who do you say I am? The Messiah, the son of the living God. And it was a revelation, it was a wise moment, it was heavenly wisdom that busted out of Peter. And suddenly, um, Peter has this answer that pleases Jesus. I think they could see it in his face. And the other disciples are like, oh, that really hasn't been said yet by anybody. And Peter's just putting it out there. Verse 17, Jesus replies, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, now, anytime someone uses your full name like that, how many of you grew up like that where it's important? Derry Robert Northrup, I was usually in trouble when that happened to me, but this was a compliment. And Jesus was saying, Simon, son of John, you are blessed because my Father in heaven has revealed that to you. In other words, this is coming from my Father in heaven. Look at the next line. You did not learn this from any human being. This is the kind of revelation that comes not from human form. It comes from a human being connected to God. And you guys, it's possible, thanks be to God, for you to live your life connected to God. You say, well, God doesn't really interact with humans. Yes, he does. Through his spirit, he does. And you can have a life in the spirit because of what Jesus came to do. And you can understand and you can have wisdom and you can have insight. And you can discern what is right and wrong. And what is true and what is false. When God is walking with you and helping you. Number two. Here's the opposite. Let's look at an example in Peter's life of more of a flesh motivation. So, so I, I know things are funny in the Bible to me that aren't to anyone else. But this is crazy what happens here. 
This is just a few verses later. Keep in mind, I'm not flipping over to another book in the Bible. I'm continuing in Matthew 16. It's seven verses later that Peter goes from being a hero and getting a star in his crown to saying one of the most ridiculous things he says in the whole Bible. Doesn't that sound like human being to you? Verse 21. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem. And look at this. He would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and that they would kill him. But on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. Well, Peter couldn't handle this. (laughs) I love it. But Peter, (laughs) but Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. How many of you think that got his attention? Get behind me, Satan. This is the, it's as strong of a rebuke as we see in scripture that Jesus ever makes. I mean, he just absolutely goes after it and he says, you're a dangerous trap to me. And here's why. You're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. But wait a minute. He just saw the Messiah, the Son of the living God, not from a human point of view, but from the spirit view, the heavenly. What in the world happened? I'll tell you what happened. He liked the revelation of Jesus being the Son of God and the Messiah, but he didn't understand the mess it would take and the crucifixion it would take and the hard work it would take to redeem mankind. So when Jesus starts talking about suffering and dying, it's beyond Peter's palate to understand it. And it freaks him out. Um, I think he, I don't know exactly how this happened. I have my version, you can have yours. I think Peter probably took Jesus, like after Jesus says this stuff about suffering, I I can see Peter kind of bringing him over and and basically saying, you know, Lord, um, you might want to take notes because I'm going to fill you in a little bit here. You might want to jot this down. Um, And he's probably feeling pretty big because of what Jesus just said about him in front of his peers. So now he's really on the go, right? So I can just, I can just see him saying, let me, let me tell you what's going to happen in Jerusalem. You know, I've been there a lot of times. I know you're fully God, but, you, you know, you're human. But this is how it really works in the realm on the earth. So let me fill you in. I'll fix this problem. Uh, here's a few things you should do. Just know that I'll be in charge. When we get to Jerusalem, I'll take care of it. And he tries to take care of it. He pulls out his dagger and cuts the guy's ear off. He's trying to be the defender of God. Hello? Let me just say it bluntly. You are not the defender of God. If someone doesn't believe in God, you do not have to get in a fight with them over it. Oh, but I believe in God. Well, great. God can take care of himself. I see so many people who dive in the battle with unbelievers of trying to prove and fight, and they say mean things back. And I'm just telling you, that doesn't help God because he's God you're not and and you can have passion that does harm to the kingdom of God because you're misrepresenting the love of God so Peter's doing that right here Peter's saying 
I'm going to take care of this. You listen to me. Of course, that's not going to happen to you. Don't say things like that. And Jesus says, get me behind me, Satan. I don't want to have anything to do with you. You don't know what you're talking about. And sometimes I think I need to get to the place in my life, the minute I start trying to defend God or tell him what, I mean, let's be honest. How many of you sometimes feel like you kind of need to fill in God on what's going on in your life? You just kind of, you just kind of say, God, I don't know if you're aware of this, but here's what's going on, and this would sure be nice if you would do this, this, and this. Okay, deal? Let's shake on it. Not, God has a perfect plan. And he has the best plan for your life. And you don't always know it. And that's what's frustrating. Is I can't see behind the scenes all the time. I don't have those glimpses all the time of the things I wish I could see. How can I learn to see from God's point of view? I think about wise people. I'm not going to write, I'm going to write some stuff on there later. But let me give you four, maybe five or six things that just come to my mind that wise people do. This is super practical. Okay? They're not on the screen. I'm sorry. I'll try to say them slow if you want to write them down. First of all, gain information before making a decision. Be good at getting all your information. Don't jump to a conclusion when you see half the story. Amen? Get information before you. I'm talking, this is so practical. If you're going to go buy a car, research the car. Does that make sense? Is it front-wheel drive? Do I need four-wheel drive? What's the purpose of the car? Does it have to tow something? Do it, on and on. All those things. Why? Because then you won't be disillusioned after you've already made a decision. Oh, I thought it did this. Well, do that on the front end. Some of you in a dating relationship, huge. It might be important for you to get to know that person pretty well before you pop the question. How many married people said amen? Yeah. It's important that you know this person. And that you do the research and you find out. I was talking to someone the other day, off of dating, sorry, I'll get off of that, but it was, about, it was about a puppy. And they were showing me pictures of this little puppy that they, they just got. It's so cute. Look at this puppy I just got. It is so cute. I thought, it's going to turn into a dog. <laughs> and I love dogs, okay? Always have had dogs, and, and I love them. I don't know, and I'm kind of enjoying that too, but... Um, Puppies always turn into dogs. How many of you know that? Kitties always turn into cats. Horses always turn into problems. <laughs> but I want a horse. I want a horse. Buying a horse, that's the cheapest part of owning a horse. Then you got to get a trailer and a truck and the food source and be there. Oh, but they're so beautiful and they're so loving. I know. Go get a horse. Just think about it before you do, okay? Just think about it. That's all I'm saying. The second thing I would tell you about wise people is they acknowledge that they are flawed. Wise people always, always understand that they may not have everything right. They're not a know-it-all. You will not see arrogance out of them because that's not wisdom. And, and they'll be the first person when they make a mistake to say, I'm sorry, that's on me. That's wisdom. Why? Because if I live with an attitude that knows I'm flawed, it's going to change how I treat people. And that's wisdom. That's the wisdom of God in our lives. So, so please understand, how many of you know you're flawed? You have the capacity to make decisions that aren't the greatest decisions. If I know that, it will change my ability. The third thing that I want to say is that wise people, they learn to be disciplined. 
And this is not easy. And I'm not saying you can just walk out today and be disciplined. And I want to give you two areas, emotional discipline and physical discipline. Because I know a lot of people who work out, they're physically disciplined, they work out every day, they eat the right food, but their emotions are all over the map. And you got to learn how to, how to grab those emotions. you got to learn how to say, Lord, I'm trusting you in this trial. I'm trusting you in this financial mess I find myself in. I'm going to believe you. I'm not going to buy that lie. I'm not going to be deceived by that person. I'm gonna, I need your, your attention in my life. Number four, they seek to understand before judgment. Seek understanding before judgment. That's what wise people do. If you will seek to understand the situation before you uh, cast the first stone, you'll be a lot better off in your future, and God will help you in your decision-making. Man, I always like to just step back and say, man, I wonder what the rest of that story is. Before I jump into the arena of, of casting the stone and, and laying the hammer down, it looks bad. Boy, I saw the videotape, and that cop was after that guy, or that person did this, or that person did that. But I have to be careful because I don't know the whole story. And we're really good at seeing parts of a story and making our judgments just like that because of what we see. But that's not the whole story. I've learned, man. I've learned when I talk with people. You know, uh, someone will come in and tell me their side of the story and I'm ready to go grab the other person and give them a whooping. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> not really, but um, in my heart. And then I hear the other side of the story and I'm like, oh. They didn't tell me that. So get, get the whole story. And then a fifth thing that wise people have is they think about purpose more than pleasure. I've seen this as a trend just in people's lives that, that pleasure is kind of temporary and it's wonderful and there's no, there's no sin in healthy pleasure. So let me make that very, very clear. But if I, if I think more about my purpose in life than and I'm walking in the will of God, I'm going to find a lifetime of pleasurable experiences because I am in my purpose doing what God is asking me to do. So my whole life can become something that I feel really good about. i got to keep moving. Last thing about wise people that I've noticed is they're trustworthy. They're just trustworthy. They, you know, they say what they're going to do, and then they do what they say. And you can count on it. You could probably think of someone right now that if they gave you their word on something, you'll never have to worry about it again. You'll never think about it again. That handshake is all you need. Why? Because they're wise. They make good decisions. Now, they may think a lot about making that decision before they promise you. But that's what you want. Okay, number three. Let's look at this. Live with the bigger picture in mind. What's happening in the story is Jesus, after all this drama, you know, you're, the, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God, and then get behind me, Satan. This is all happening together right here in just a few minutes. Then Jesus decides to just make a big picture and say, this is your life on earth, okay? In verse 24, he says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. This is the old passage many of you memorize in the King James Version. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Say it with me. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. You guys remember that. And then he says, if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And then again, that famous verse. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? 
Is anything worth more than your soul? Rhetorical question, no. There's nothing more valuable than your soul and where you're going to spend eternity. So Jesus really kind of throws three things out there. And that is, what does denying yourself mean? What does that practically mean? In the New Living Translation it says, give up your own way. A wise man, a wise woman, a wise teenager will yield to God in every decision of their life. I don't have to have what I want. God knows what I need, and I will pursue that path. And that's the difference. That's the difference. It's not saying I can never have anything that tastes good. Oh, deny yourself. Deny yourself. Forget that. Don't eat that. Don't do that. Don't. No, there's a lot of pleasures that you can enjoy that are not sinful. But what this is talking about is don't live for yourself your whole life. That's where the purpose of your life is very, very important. And then he says, take up your cross. What is that? I don't have a cross. Well, what he's saying here is determine what you are called to do by God and do that. Don't, don't try to live someone else's dream or someone else's life or put your, you know, sometimes you might fantasize about, oh man, if I was that person and I had that house or if I had all that money, if I had this, if I, stop. You are you. There's no one else that's you. And God kind of likes you. He's gifted you and he's wired you to be fully you. Take up your cross. What is it that you can do? What is it that's in your wheelhouse that you can carry, that you can say, I'm in for that. I'm going to that mountain. I'm charging that hill. That third part is follow me. And, and this is a command, follow me. And sometimes I've said to God after reading passages like that, man, I would if I knew where you were. Where are you? And so I've learned in time that following the Lord is a little bit, I feel, I've watched a few times, either on television or in real life, like a, a bird hunting dog or a police dog who gets on a certain scent of a trail. Have you ever seen this? It's phenomenal. They don't go where they want to go. They go where the scent takes them. And that's the difference. That's what we have to kind of, every day, I'm going to learn to somehow navigate my way. I'm in the grocery store. Am I aware that this person might need some help with a kid who's running around screaming and so I can, you know, ask someone else to help them? <laughs> Getting the door for somebody. This is the offering a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus. It's just, it's, it's living my life following him because I, I, I sense the, the scent of God is pulling me here. Have you ever had in the middle of the day, like someone will just pop into your brain, a name? And, and I always just say a prayer for that person when that happens to me. I'll just say, Lord, if there's anything going on, it might just be random. Could have been just the burrito I ate last night. I don't know. But, um, or you have some crazy dream. And I don't, I don't say all dreams are from, from God at all. But every now and then I'll have a dream that reminds me to pray for someone or to think about someone or even give them a call and check in on them. But I don't make it spooky. Like being a pastor, I get calls sometimes like, can I see you? Okay, sure, what's up? Well, I had a dream about you and you were in a lot of pain and your life was about to end and you were suffering I'm like, you know, I don't really need to know the dream. I think maybe, uh, I think, I think maybe I'll pass on this one. 
I don't need to know it unless you know it was from God. God will give me that dream if he wants me to know, not you, okay? I got to go. I got to keep going. Number four. This is fun, isn't it? Aren't you glad that we come together like this? Um, how many of you had breakfast already? Because I think it would be fun to, like, have breakfast after church. Wouldn't it be fun if we just had people coming down with food and we put some trays down and just sit and get in circles and... I have no idea why I just thought of that, but it'd be fun. (laughs) Number four, am I learning to trust? Am I learning to trust? And what is the process that I'm learning to trust? Because what happens now is we're going to go over to 1 Peter chapter 5. Now we see the same guy who's been on this yo-yo. You're the son of God. I'm going to take care of you. Get behind me, Satan. Now he's much older. He's gone through a lot of years of living Jesus has died and resurrected. He's in more normal life, and he writes these passages for us to learn from. So now he's the old wise guy in a, in a, in a good way. Look at verse 6, 1 Peter chapter 5. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your what? Worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. That was one of the first verses that I memorized as a kid. And I think it was just, he cares for you. You know how when you're really little, they shorten them, and they just give you the meat. God really cares for you. And boy, have I learned that that's true. Boy, have I questioned that at times in my life. But I know Peter is saying that because he knows it's true. And here's the thing that he knows. There are many worries in the world. This is really serious, just these moments that we have right now, because I can't describe all of your worries. But I bet if I could jump into your brain, I bet if if we could somehow feel what you're worrying about, it would be overwhelming. Most people don't even know the things they're worrying and it becomes a weight and a burden on them because they refuse to cast the care. And this, this word literally means to take it off of that plate and to cast it, to throw it onto God's plate. I, I was thinking about the things that, that I worry about sometimes and I started thinking about the world situation. You know, are we, are we getting ready to have another big world war? Some of our, our main leaders of powerful nations are just in, in middle school fights. Do you know what I'm saying by that? Just, I was like, wow, really? That's how we're going to handle each other? It just, it just blows my mind sometimes, the things that are happening in the world news. I have to turn it off or I'll change channels or I'll just, oh, it's so big. And you see the world at a glance and you wonder. Then I think about family. And even though truly we have an awesome family with no big things going on right now, I, I worry about you know, the world our grandkids are growing up in and our kids are growing up in and the things that they face at, at school and, and the the just the issues that they're going to fight through that I, I never had to fight through or money problems that people have today and health issues that, you know, even global warming. You say, well, that's kind of political. I'm not talking about the political stuff. I'm just talking about the fact that we have things that come across us that cause us potentially to worry. Whether they're true or not, whether you believe them or not, there's just so many things thrown out there. I was watching, a, I love Nat Geo Wild. It's like crazy 
the things under the ocean and the things in the jungle that can eat you and they eat each other and it's creepy. And, and I watched that thing and my eyes are this big around and, and I saw a thing on polar bears the other day and it showed this, and it was too political for me to be honest, but it was this whole thing about global warming and this polar bear and the very last view was a polar bear standing on a little piece of ice floating out into the ocean and the caption was, the polar bear has no more ice that it can fish from. And I was like, no, no, let's get a boat. Let's go get that polar bear. We don't want him out. I was just, it was just like, and then I, for two days, I just had this picture of this polar bear. And he's still out there. I don't know where he is, but I hope someone found him. I can find everything to worry about. I don't have to look very far. Cast your cares on God. Listen, I'm talking to someone right now, and I don't mean, I mean this. Some of you are going to die. You're going to get an ulcer. You're going to cut your life short if you don't learn how to cast this care on to God. He's bigger than you. He knows. I could say it a thousand times, but until you are willing to own it and say, okay, I'm not good at that. And you get rid of it and you say, this is God's. Yes, you will partner with God. It doesn't mean you walk away and ignore it and it goes away. It means you seek the wisdom of God. You are wise in how to proceed because you're listening to his voice rather than your own. Man, one more thing. How can I live with an awareness of the spirit realm in my life? Number five there. How can I live with an awareness in my life? Peter, in verse 8, just boom, just starts rocketing out these thoughts. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Man, that's creepy. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world are going through the same kind of stuff that you are suffering for. Real fast, stay alert. Just jot these down put them on a board this week. Stay alert. That's, that's one of the first things he says. And then he says, watch out. And that's, that's a literally watch out. We say watch out sometimes meaning something's going to happen. This is mean keep your eyes peeled and watch for the enemy. What does he say? Watch out for your great enemy. He's prowling. He's roaring. He wants to take you out and he'll use everything in your life to try to do it. Everything. Then he says stand firm against the enemy. Stand firm. This right here is the, the whole idea of a Roman guard. If I, had, if I had someone come up here right now and I said, take a firm stance, what would they do? They would, they would probably get down a little bit and they would, they would position themselves the best they could so that if I push on them, they have stability and they wouldn't move. That's this. Stand firm when you get up in the morning. <laughs> you don't have to physically jump out of bed and go, yeah! You know, that's not what he's saying. He's saying in your mind, emotionally, pay attention. Realize you have enemies. Realize someone's coming after you. Then he says, be strong. Be strong in what? You remember? In your faith. Be strong in your faith, not in yourself. Boy, that's, there's the irony of our world. Be strong in your faith. And who's our faith in? God. So, so it's not about me 
working out and getting buff and, and, and kicking the devil. It's about me having faith that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And God can take him. God can take him. So I don't have to live in fear. And then the last thing is just remember. And he does a great thing here. He says, um, he says, remember those in the world who are suffering as though it's going to co uh, console us. And it does console us. You know why? Consoles us because we're not alone doing life. There are people facing stuff just like you. And our problems get bigger than us pretty quick. But we have a God who loves us and cares. Would you just bow your head and pray with me for a moment? Lord, there's a lot of stuff in here. And, and it just feels like you really do want to help us. Thank you for Peter's life. Thank you for the fact that he was a guy that was kind of random and spontaneous and he had all this emotional drive, but he said these powerful things. He accomplished so much in his life. I just thank you for his words to us to cast our cares on you. We do that right now, Lord. We trust you. I, I, want, I want you to lift a hand both here and in traditions. God bless all of you in traditions this morning. Trials are real. But every now and then you have a special fight that comes along. So I don't want you to raise your hand if it's just, you know, something that you kind of deal with every week and it's a grind, but you get it done and you manage and you need to clean the house. Or I don't mean that. I think there are people in these auditoriums that are fighting. They're fighting for their life on, on some things. Maybe it's your marriage, your children, loss. Could be finances, I don't know, but there's some big stuff that you know. And when you lift your hand, when you lift your hand in a minute, it's not to me, I'm not even going to pay attention as far as trying to see them all. This is a hand that's reaching out to cast your care, to put it on a different plate. Matter of fact, I almost want you to lift your hand up, palms up, and then turn it over. Like, I'm lifting up this this worry and I'm laying it down on a different plate, God, I'm trusting you. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Would you do that now, please? Lord Jesus, our warrior, you are the peace giver to the heart, mind, body, and soul, and we need it. We lift this anxiety, these worries, these real things, and we put them on your plate. We offer them to you. We give them to you because we believe in you, and we trust you, wise God. Now, we ask that we will be sensitive to your voice in hearing our role in what we need to do concerning these things. We've offered it to you, but we will fight, we will work, we will pray, we will continue, but we will no longer be anxious in worry, losing our energy, losing our focus. Let the spirit man be strong as we watch you do your work in this situation. Father, I also pray secondly for those in this auditoriums that are struggling 
they need to overcome something going on in their life. You know, if, if you have an addiction in your life, maybe no one knows about it. I'm just asking you, I'm asking you to just right now say, God, I acknowledge this addiction. I acknowledge it. And guys, that might be the very first step of the beginning of healing is just for you to own it and not, not fake it all the time. You're going to get sick of living like a fake. And Jesus is saying, I'm here. I want that. Let me take that. And just start a new thread of communication with God right now. Lord, I give you this. I'm aware of it. I need your strength because I can't do it in my own power. But I need deliverance from you and I trust you. Lord, we give all these things to you. Our lives, our relationships, our incomes, all of that stuff, it's yours. And thank you that we can have the wisdom of God. So we ask, like James said, ask for wisdom and I will give it. In Jesus' name, amen.